It's Valentine's Day and the town is painted red and white. Love might, cost, might not cost a thing, but this year's come against the backdrop of economic strain and the typical bouquet of flowers might not be the go-to gift for love this year. However, the floral industry is always in flume bloom but what do we have but do we have the financial means to support it our team stepped out to hear what you think about the cost of love of flowers let's have a look it's very very uh, strange to me that around this time what used to cost one dollar all of a sudden starts costing fifteen dollars it's a money-making scheme things are expensive flowers are not gonna grow they're gonna die immediately after you buy them Chocolates, expensive. And I think those days it's peer pressure. We all want Uguti, my pay must show me, you know. There's a friend of a friend who sells roses. She's got some, she sells for like 8,000. So that's like, yeah, expensive. Obviously demand, bro, like uh, uh, when there's demand, suppliers actually take up the price. It's just a business thing. So when's it wrong? Using the money that you're not supposed to use, you understand. So it's better you budget more as good you have a partner. You know, maybe doing something a little bit more sustainable, making sure that, you know, not just the, the very top percent that can afford flowers can buy flowers. Making sure that everybody can afford it and that also turns a profit. But it's much more participatory and it allows the, you know, the industry and the flower industry to continue as opposed to just peak and then you see a culture shift and nobody wants to buy them anymore. Well, it seems like you're lucky if you got roses today. To provide some clarity on the effects of inflation on the floral industry is Janine Horn. She's a financial advisor at Momentum Financial Planning, and she shared her insights with us. Let's have a listen. The florist sector increases um, massively in demand around Valentine's Day, and this is largely due to Western modernization influences. And this increase in demand results in the industry needing to respond to that demands. And unfortunately, with an increase in demand, price hikes accompany that. So here are some of the reasons why. Well, there's an increase in export costs because there's a pressure on international demand. There's an increase in consumer consumption, so more people are looking for, for roses around this particular time. And farmers now have to price for that increased yield that is required, meaning additional labor, additional delivery, additional florist uh, um, cost. There's an increase in transportation, so your delivery prices are also, are also taken into account. And then, of course, farmers have to price for what is what is a deteriorating climate climate conditions, and perhaps rely on technology that is, that are expensive, like hydroponics, permaculture, and regenerative uh, farming. Higher yields at Valentine's Day put stress on these logistics, and of course, we find that um, labor is more expensive as farmers have to get not only additional hands in, but they also have to work longer hours or more shifts. So in the end, the consumer is the person that pays the increased price. And the, the price hikes are then deferred to us as consumers. And the difficulty with farmers needing to manage the supply and demand relationship constantly, and obviously more so on Valentine's Day. That was Janine Horn, financial advisor at Momentum Financial Planning.
Now, the floriculture industry is not the only sector in bloom during the month of love. We now take a look at where we see the most boom in South Africa's luxury goods market with Wanted Magazine's manager of luxury brand partnerships, Celeste Kumalo. Celeste, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's, let's talk about luxury. Um, and maybe we can even start with speaking about the term African luxury. I hear it being thrown around often. Is there a distinction between what is African luxury and just luxury? So yes and no. Okay. And that obviously depends on who you're talking to. So we would say yes, because there's an important distinction in the different countries, ethnicities, and what those people in those countries and ethnicities symbolize as luxury. Then I would say no because of the fact that defining luxury commodities as bespoke, handcrafted, quality, um, they deliver existential rewards or experiential rewards, uh, come at a high price. In Africa, we're able to produce that. So we do meet the characteristics of luxury goods on a global standard. All right, now let's take a snapshot of what luxury looks like in South Africa. Um, you know, we have Diamond Walk, for instance, foot traffic for days. Um, you know, we have the V&A waterfront also seeing foot traffic. So what we do see is that South Africans are able to consume um, luxury goods. But um, let's talk about who consumes it, Celeste. Like, what does the market look like? So I think the key word you said is more. Mm. So what people are consuming is mainly fashion mm. and menswear because historically men were earning higher um, and that's slowly starting to change. Mm. But then from menswear, we've moved into watches and jewelry and um, for a very high net or ultra high net worth individuals, it would be cars and property. Very interesting there. So let's talk about South Africa's favorite brands, um, you know, in the luxury market. What do South Africans spend on? I know Gucci's a big one, um, much to my, <laughs> much to my distress. <laughs> so I think we'll actually start with Porsche. Mm -hmm. I think Porsche would be a very, uh, a big one. And then we'll move to Rolex, Louis mm -hmm. Vuitton, then Gucci. Mm -hmm. And dare I say Makosa, because that is kind of our um, African attire mm -hmm. you know for luxury then i'd move to champagnes and then our own produced wines sure that's very interesting um when you also and i and I, i'm glad that you do mention my up because when i think of african luxury that's exactly the brand that does um come to mind now celeste we've come from COVID 19 we've had the, the war in ukraine with russia and throughout the world the global economy is completely strained we're seeing macroeconomic headwinds but people still consume luxury so what does this tell us about the people who do demand it and i'm also keen to find out if you know it's it's because we're an aspirational society so even people who who can barely afford it are trying to afford luxury they absolutely are trying to afford luxury because it is a social signifier mm. so when you think of success and what success looks like a lot of people will turn to luxury goods and that's why also a lot of these luxury brands are riding on those emotive factors mm. because they understand that people are emotional buyers more than they are logical buyers mm -hmm. however if you are making investments in luxury items, that is a different class, a different thought, and it just really kind of depends. We do see that in South Africa, a lot of people are purchasing um, the international brands more than they are purchasing local brands, and that's due to marketing, due to cultural imperialism, but there will be a shift and there is actually a shortcut. 
So an emerging one um, that I recently heard of, and I had I didn't know anything about it, is pre-sold or pre-loved luxury items, um, and also getting goods on consignment. This is an emerging market um, worth to be um, said to be worth trillions by 2026, trillion dollars uh, that is. People are really starting to say, okay, I can't afford a brand new Louis Vuitton, but I can get one that's. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they even graded an eight out of ten for half the price. Let's talk about the emergence of this um, secondary market. Um, Celeste? So two of the factors that are influencing this um, emerging market of pre-sale uh, or pre-loved luxury items would be that the future is female. We're getting more women who are able to afford luxury and then the generation is also quite young. So this generation or both of them are considering what the effects are on the planet. They're also considering the trends that are coming through with fashion. And then finally, they are considering owning something. If it goes out of fashion, you have this item that you now own. So if you can exchange that, you're able to get a wide variety of clothes and um, also be able to define your identity with the ways that fashion is moving. I'm actually glad you mentioned um, the issue of sustainability because that's a big thing, right? Um, especially with younger generations that are demanding that, you know, um, all brands become greener in the way that they think and the way that they operate. So let's talk about luxury meets sustainability. And I mean, we just spoke about pre-used items, but I mean, how else can the luxury goods market, I mean, appeal to people's need for sustainable consumption? So the luxury industry is really under pressure with this because we're in an era of cancel and boycott culture. Mm. And people are also not going to just accept anything that's put in front of them. Uh, the effects of fashion um, and fashion waste on our planets are huge. So when people are, or brands are considering their clients, they have to kind of meet them and look at the value chain. So from production all the way to the finished product, can you recycle this finished product? Um, what is your carbon footprint? How is your item traveling? And then another part of sustainability is the inclusivity and diversity of their workforce. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. We'll definitely be watching this as it emerges because like you're saying, it's a challenge um, for the sector now. Celeste, before I let you go, it is Valentine's Day. What do people buy? Like what luxury <laughs> items do people buy one another on days like this? Okay, so for luxury, we'll just start at shoes mm -hmm. and bags, then we'll move to jewelry. Mm -hmm. But for some very lucky people, we'll see a few cards happening. Yeah, I mean, a Porsche would be absolutely fantastic um, there, uh, Celeste. Thank you so oh, much. For, <laughs> thank you for your time and thank you for your insights. I know you're coming from Cape Town, so do enjoy the trip there. That was Celeste Kumalo, Manager of Luxury Brand Partnerships for Wanted Magazine.